I have a serious message to talk about today. And I believe as we go forward in this world today, and you see things all over the news, I know a lot of people don't even like to watch the news anymore. There's a lot going on all over the world and the economy and wars and rumors of wars and all that stuff. And Rather than just talk about it, it's important to get God's perspective. What is God looking for right now? Well, John 4.23 says this, The hour is coming, and now is. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is looking for people to worship Him. And what that means is when we worship Him, we're saying, God, You are in control. I'm not going to try to fix it on my own or think this person's going to fix it. I believe that you are my answer. I'm going to worship you in spirit and in truth. Remember those two words this day. We are to worship in spirit, which means our worship is not just singing a song or playing an instrument. It's not just us speaking or reading or singing unto God. Rather, a spiritual effort is where we believe in the power of the Spirit. We believe that when we come together, when we're in one accord and we worship the God in Spirit together, there's power that exists. We believe that praise and prayer has true power that the world cannot offer. Power to break strongholds. Power to transform lives like He did mine. Power to overcome spiritual forces of darkness in this world. And in the same Scripture verse, the Father is looking for those who worship in spirit, but also in truth. In order to get to the truth, we need to be in the Word of God. You've heard me preach before, and you know that there's many verses that are taken out of context. There's many verses that are taught differently what the Bible says. For example, one verse um, don't put it up there yet, Greg. But one verse is, you'll know the truth, the truth will set you free. They say that in court proceedings. In their mind, they're thinking is if you tell the truth, that truth will set you free. But that's not how it was set out to be. That's not what that means. The Bible actually says this in John 8.31. You'll see it behind me. Jesus said to those Jews who believed in Him, If you abide in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. And then you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. See, it's not just anybody's truth or some scientist's truth or someone else's truth that makes you free. It's the word of God that sets you free because there's power in the word of God. If you know the truth, and the truth is Jesus, then Jesus, the truth, will set you free. Someone asked me this week what the difference was. As you know, I'm a biblical counselor. And someone asked me what the difference was between a biblical counselor and a counselor of this world. And I, I, told, I said, counselors of the world say, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. So if you can come to an awareness of the problem, then you're set free. Well, how many of you know that even though you know you're not supposed to sin, you still do? Right? The Bible says that. So just an awareness doesn't set you free, but if you come to Jesus, He is the truth and He will set you free if you continue to submit to Him each and every day. We must be in the Word. 
We must be abiding in it and knowing it and believing it and applying it to our lives in order to know the truth that sets us free. So as we move into today's topic, let us understand the importance of truth by the Word of God. And let us also not neglect the Spirit of God, nor discount how strong the spiritual forces of evil are in the world today and also in our families. And it's also those spiritual forces are working full-time to take out the body of Christ in the world today. I know a lot of people don't like to talk about this, but the more we ignore it, the stronger it gets. The great theologian Charles Spurgeon once said, Never be afraid of your Bibles. If there is a text of Scripture you dare not meet, humble yourself until you can. Yet this is not the usual response for many. Instead, people often look for a different version that says it in a nicer way. Right? Let's get a modern version. It's going to say it in a nicer way and not make me feel so bad that I'm sinning. Or they find a, a version that omits it altogether. Or they just skip over certain parts of the Bible or skip over certain books. And for example... If any of you ever just been going through a tough time and you pull out the book of Psalms and you say, I'm going to look for some encouragement in the Bible. Ever done that before? Well, if you start to go through the Psalms, you'll know this. Not all of those Psalms are uplifting songs. Right? Because they're about David when he's being attacked and he's smite my enemies and woe is me and I feel horrible and everyone's surrounding me and I'm thinking, well, that doesn't make me feel good. So I'm going to flip a few more pages and look for something better. Now, don't act like you never did that, right? But that's what often what happens is people look for something they want to hear and they don't study the Bible in its entirety. And yet God said, unless you abide in my word and all of the word, you cannot be set free. Since the days that Jesus walked this earth and shared the original gospel of good news to those who would listen, much has changed. And even though people are still sharing the gospel today, there's no denying that various parts are purposely left out of the original teaching. In many cases, it seems that those relaying the message have taken out parts that are harder to believe and thus require more faith. What does the Bible say about faith? Hebrews 11.6 tells us, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, that he exists. For he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The only way you can diligently seek God is if you don't, if you don't let a gap of understanding affect your pursuit of God. You see, many people when they're pursuing God and they don't understand something, they start to doubt God. But if I say I'm going to pursue God and when I get to that gap, I'm going to take my bridge of faith and go over that bridge and trust that God has it, and I'm going to keep believing them. I don't have to figure everything out. I can't figure everything out. In fact, it's not behind us. We talked about this in our Bible study today. And Isaiah says that as the heavens are higher than the earth, so far are my ways above your ways and my thoughts above your thoughts, which means we're not ever going to figure God out. And people that think they have to figure God out, they skip over passages or they ignore truth in the Bible and they, and they don't diligently seek God all the way. But God rewards those people who diligently seek Him, even though there's things that we don't understand. 
or might not fully agree with at this point. But if we continue to pursue Him, God gives us a revelation so that we can believe Him by faith and continue on where God has called us to be. Without faith, it's impossible to please God and impossible to trust Him to rescue and redeem and restore your life. Yet many modern-day teachers do great harm to the truth of God by not teaching it in its entirety. They soften the tough talk. They avoid topics that they perceive to be too controversial. And they even go so far as to say, the things that happened back in the Bible just don't happen anymore today. The miracles that happened in the back then do not happen anymore today. This is all garbage. When man interferes with the gospel and mixes the message with his erred logic and doubting ways, it doesn't just taint the truth. It dilutes the power. It weakens the conviction that we need to change. And it discourages faith when we need it the most. One theme that has been removed from much of modern day teaching is the fear of the Lord. I've heard many people say that's an Old Testament thing, the fear of the Lord. I don't know about you, but when I was younger, the fear of the Lord kept me on the narrow path. Right? Because I knew there was a consequence. Today's fluff preachers say that God is a God of love and He forgives every sin. And there's no need to be hard on sinful ways or sinful choices because God's going to forgive you. There was a man several years ago that wrote a book called Love Wins. He's from Michigan. And he said, in the end, because God's love is so strong, everybody gets to go to heaven. No matter what you do, no matter what you say, no matter who you denounce, you denounce Jesus or believe in what, everybody gets to go to heaven because love wins overall. So that means people can just live in sin and not feel convicted and not be open to the Holy Spirit. That's not what the Bible teaches. Yes, God is a God of love. And He loved us so much that He sent His own Son to die for us so that we could have eternal life when we turn to Him. That's what the Bible says. People say that we're in the age of grace so we could just focus on love and self-esteem. And there's no need for a hard teaching because we don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. But now you tell me, when you look around at society on the news or the Internet or people you talk with, do you see that the world, since we've said let's not be hard on truth, do you see that the world is much more kinder today? Do you see that the world is much more loving and a much more disciplined place now that the fear of God has been removed? Of course not. When you remove the conviction, you remove the restraint. As evil is given license to run amok and wreak havoc in governments and communities and families and churches. But there's another topic that's left out of much of modern day theology that's doing incredible amounts of harm, mocking the power of God and giving the devil reign to steal, kill, and destroy, as the Bible says. Ignorance of this truth is covered, this truth is, is covered extensively in the Bible. And it's the reason why there's so much destruction today. What am I referring to? I'm referring to the spiritual realm. Those invisible forces that we cannot see, but they exist. The demonic influences that are having a field day on the earth right now because too many Christians 
think those things only happened in the time of Jesus. Let me just share you a few examples with you of how prevalent this is in the Bible that we often read over because we think, well, that doesn't happen nowadays today. Matthew 4.24 Then Jesus' fame went throughout all of Syria. And they brought to Him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, paralytics, and He healed them. Matthew 8.16 When evening had come, they brought to Him many who were demon-possessed. And He cast out the spirits with a word. And He healed all who were sick. Matthew 9.32 Another example. And they went out, behold, they brought him to a man mute and demon-possessed. And what, verse 33, And when the demon was cast out, the mute spoke, and the multitudes marveled, saying, It have never seen anything like this in Israel. I could go on and on, and you know this because you know your Bibles, and I could go through all the Gospels and the entire book of Acts and see multiple instances where the demons are playing a role in the destruction of society. Jesus didn't just do miracles to show His authority over nature, and He didn't just heal the sick. A large focus of His ministry was casting out demons and rebuking the devil. He didn't toy with spiritual forces or joke about them or say that they don't play a role in society. He met them head-on and cast them from His presence. And even though people still pray that God will heal them from sickness, for the most part, a lot of people don't believe that real demonic forces are the reason why, the number one reason why, the world is still messed up as it is today. They want to blame someone else or some political party or some movement. And yet it's the demonic forces that Jesus hit from the very beginning. You, now you may say that you acknowledge the forces of darkness, but the proof is in the pudding. How we live and respond to the world today, especially when we deal with conflict, is evidence of what we truly believe. Jesus knew how prevalent the power of darkness has always been. And so He spent a lot of time teaching on it, delivering people from the spirits of wickedness. And these things didn't just happen to Jesus. He passed on His anointing to His followers as well. In fact, He gave the disciples authority to cast out demons. Acknowledging that demonic spirits would continue even after Jesus physically left us on earth. Matthew 10.1 And when He had called the twelve disciples to Him, He gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. You see, in order to change the world, in order to advance the Gospel, the things that we seek to do, hopefully, as the body of Christ, then by the power of God and by the blood of Jesus, we have to confront the spiritual forces of evil. Not on our own. Remember, we worship in spirit and in truth. But if the disciples acknowledge that, you know what, that doesn't really play a part. If we acknowledge that doesn't really play a part, if they felt that society's ills and sickness and division were not affected by the spiritual world and its minions, then as a result, they would only do surface healings and never getting to the main root of the problem. In effect, it would be like cutting grass. Is anybody still cutting the grass? George, are you still cutting grass? 
<laughs> well, back in the spring, a long time ago, before there was frost on the ground, you could cut the grass because it was all full of dandelions. And if you cut the grass, you'd look back and say, wow, it's green. I killed all the dandelions. Right? Wrong. Because you just did a surface cut, and the roots are still there, and they multiply underground. And that's what happens if we don't acknowledge the Spirit as being the root of the many problems. We get this illusion that we've taken care of the problem or somebody has fixed the problem, but the root is still there. This would happen if the disciples back then or if believers today did not understand the power of spiritual forces of evil always at work in the world. And yet even today, we too discount the power of these forces. When this happens, what happens is we believe that humans can fix the problem. A lot of people are looking forward to the elections. Thinking, well, I'm going to bring someone else in that can fix the problem. I'm going to bring another human in that can fix the problem. And while people may have different ideas and hold to different things, humans cannot fix the ills of this world. They are, they are affected by the demonic forces of evil. Jesus taught about much back then, and we need to understand that. There are things that we can do to help, but we cannot fix a problem that's in the spiritual sense. If we, if we attempt to do that, we fail to take out the root. And then we're surprised why the next human didn't fix the problem. The truth is that demonic influence has affected individuals and societies since the beginning of time, when the first sin was committed by Satan himself. And demonic forces still bring in division and destruction today, whether we acknowledge they exist or not. Whether you acknowledge that electricity is real or not, because you can't see it, it's still there. Whether you acknowledge that there's no microwaves and sound waves, it's still there. Just because we can't see it, it doesn't mean it's not there. We need to understand that that is the root of much of our problem. Ignorance of this truth is one of the biggest reasons why our world is so messed up today. I mean, do you really think that all the problems that we are facing today is because of one person or one political party or one social movement or one bad world leader? Look around you. Hundreds, if not thousands, of politicians are divisive, driven by anger and only in it for themselves and fame. The entertainment industry is so far from family-friendly. That's just unrecognizable. Do you remember when you were younger and you could sit down with your family and watch a show on TV? Not worried about a commercial or swearing or nudity or all that stuff that's just filled all over the stations right now? Extreme beliefs are no longer held by a powerless minority. They are growing and multiplying every day. There are wars and there are rumors of wars all over the world, and the love of many is growing colder each day. Why? Because too many people, Christians and non-Christians alike, are discounting the role that spiritual forces of evil play in everyday situations. And so what happens? We are fighting against one another. We are blaming different politicians, blaming different world leaders, different people groups, and frankly, we are blaming and fighting against everyone who has a different opinion than us. You guys know that didn't always happen. What has changed? We've taken out the fear of God. We stopped trust, believing that there's spiritual forces at work in the world today. 
because we don't understand it. And when we do this, we're playing right into the hands of the devil. Our ignorance is actually fueling the power of the enemy. It's like the enemy is walking around in an invisible cloak. And he's walking amongst us, but no one acknowledges that he's there. And he goes up to one person, he hits them in the shoulder, that person turns around and sees the person next to them, so they slug them. And that person says, why would you do that? And they slug them. And all the meanwhile, the devil just moves on and kind of rubs his hands together and smiles and says, i got another one. I'm going to go to the next person. He's causing all this destruction and division. And because we think he doesn't exist or do that stuff, we're fighting against one another. You've heard me say this before. If you can see the person you're fighting against, you're fighting the wrong one. It's the enemy that's causing division. We need to be aware of this. We need to know what's going on. If we would only take to heart the entirety of the Bible and believe what is written for us and given to us for such a time as this. Ephesians 6, verses 10 and 11 says this, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. No, it doesn't say in your own strength or in your own logic or what you could understand. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. What in the heck is the word wiles? What's that mean? Anybody know? Yep. It actually means this. Devious and cunning strategies employed by manipulating or persuading someone to do what one wants. The devil wants to bring destruction, and so he manipulates you to fight against one another and to blame one another and to slander one another. It's what's happening in the world today. He's manipulating the whole world through strategies that turn the fight to one another instead of standing against the devil and rebuking him. This is why this next verse in context is so important. You see, God doesn't just give a problem without giving the answer. But notice God doesn't just tell us to command the devil to flee. He gives us the wisdom to understand the problem first if we're willing to apply it to our lives in the way He taught us. And this wisdom could save the world today. It could save our country immediately. It could turn things around in a miraculous way if we would only heed this simple biblical truth. Ephesians 6.12 For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. It means our fight is not with one another. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. See, God implores us to understand the wiles or the strategies or the devious ways of the devil. We must stop blaming others. We must stop slandering others we disagree with. We must stop spreading vicious gossip. It's one thing to disagree with someone, but why all the name-calling? There's Why is there such a desire to tear down someone in the process? Our fight is not against flesh and blood. It's not against one another. Our fight is against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. We are in a spiritual war. And if you think you have to understand that, 
before you can hold on to it, then you're just giving the enemy more ammunition. We just have to trust God by faith and believe the Word that there's spiritual forces going on all the time. But we're in a spiritual war and we're trying to fight it by using human means. We're using emotion and anger and bitterness and offense and judgment of others when God is pleading with us to just rebuke the devil instead of one another. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 and 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, that means they're not man-made, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Paul pleads with us not to war according to the flesh, but to enter into spiritual warfare, praying and seeking God to break strongholds in our lives and in our families and in our nations. We must not ignore the spiritual forces of evil that are daily bringing destruction and often come in under the radar due to our ignorance. But we also must not neglect the power of the Holy Spirit to bring discernment to us so that we can stop fighting against one another and begin standing on the Word of God to drive out the enemy. We cannot afford to stay and continue in ignorance of the spiritual realm and how our everyday life is affected by it. And I know people will be offended at what I'm about to say. I know people will disagree with me. That's okay. In America, we toy with the Spirit. In America, we toy with darkness. Tomorrow's Halloween. I don't know about you, but when I grew up in Halloween and we went out trick-or-treat and I dressed up as Superman or people dressed up as Wonder Woman or baseball players or football players or doctors or nurses, but have you really stopped and looked at what people are wearing nowadays? What young kids are dressed up like devils and demons and blood and, and chainsaws? and I mean, how is that honor God? Again, you can, you can be offended by it. That's fine. But I will tell you this, when we toy with evil and think it's not a big deal, we give power to the enemy. We need to trust God. Right now, the Bible says God is looking for those who worship Him in spirit and truth. Yes, we should come together. and Yes, we should have fun. But we should not toy with something that's trying to take us down. Whether we acknowledge the spirit world or not, the devil and his demons are still at work today. They're in the schools. Believe me, I've been there for 30 years. They're in families. They're in communities. The enemy is trying to take us out and turn our fight against one another. And the more that we ignore this truth, the more power that we give to those spiritual forces today to wreak havoc in our families, in our communities. Thus, if ignorance is our main problem, then acknowledgement of the truth is the key to being set free and resurrecting hope. Isaiah 54, 17 says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. You may have heard that before. It's a popular verse. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Some people like to stand that verse and say to Satan, you can't touch me. No weapon formed against you can prosper. Do you know whom God directs that promise to? It's to those who have the proper focus and neglect not the spirits. The way that the enemy gets power over us is he works in darkness through ignorance. If the enemy can convince us to keep fighting one another and keep blaming one another, then he can persuade us into thinking that we can fix our own problems. 
if He can get us to act in certain ways that allow Him to continue undeterred, walking invisibly amongst us, as we turn our fight against one another and with one another, then the enemy and his weapons have the power to inflict damage. And they do prosper against us. But when we bring his temptations and his strategies into the light, it breaks the power of the enemy. Light always prevails over darkness. We acknowledge that the power of God is to take out the enemy and we trust Him. And we invite the God of angel armies into our situation to fight on our behalf, to go before us. We trust God that He's going to go before us. And then, we can, then we can worry about loving one another and extending grace to others. How do we do spiritual warfare? The easiest way is to simply praise God. Acknowledging His sovereignty over all. Over all that is in heaven and on earth. This is how we turn the tide. By worshiping the Lord in spirit and in truth. Heavenly Father, we thank You for the power of Your Word. We acknowledge that the battle belongs to You. God, we know what's come against us, for Your Word declares it. But as Your Word declares, greater is He that's in me than he that's in this world. We thank that You've taken up residency in our hearts and by the power of Your grace and love and the power of the blood of Jesus, we will overcome this world. We will overcome every attack the enemy. But right now, God, rather than us try to figure it out in our minds, we praise You. We lift up Your name. Drive out the enemy from our communities. Drive out the enemy from our families, from our churches, from our businesses from our schools. We turn to You. We love You, Jesus. And we praise You right now in the power of Your name. Amen.